Warning, the following podcast may contain material that is inappropriate for listeners that are under the age of 18, are easily offended, or get annoyed listening to the rantings of holier-than-thou-know-it-alls that are anything but. Put it, Grandma! Dick to your lips. Hey, this is Brian Smith, the one and only. You all know me, and why I'm famous, so I don't need to elaborate. You're listening to Anime World Order. Butts. Welcome to another episode of Anime World Order. This is episode 59, and uh, you know, we thought we could get out an episode on a weekly basis, but I guess the Labor Day weekend just killed it. I but fell asleep. Anyway. Wait, wait, you mean we I... actually had something to do on a holiday? No, I was home on Labor Day. Oh. <laughs> anyway, I'm Gerald Rathgold, and always with me... Nobody. <laughs> By myself this time, Did doing this Darryl? solo. Daryl muted himself, and so is talking into a muted microphone. So <laughs> I was figuring Daryl would go first. So all so, right. Do you want to well, introduce while yourself we wait then? for Daryl to figure out how to unmute himself, I will uh, introduce myself. I'm Clarissa. Oh, there we yeah. go. Yes. Ah, uh, uh, yay! I keep forgetting. There's not just the software mute. There's also the switch mute, like on the actual thing. And we've only been using these for like a year, so... Almost two years now. Yeah, I, I don't know how to use this audio equipment. Whatever. I'm Daryl Surratt. Still poor. More poor because I've bought a television. Before I bought a bed, actually. I still have no bed to sleep on, but I have a TV. <laughs> priorities. It's exactly, priorities. Man, screw you can sleep all on the you floor. Guys. The floor is fine. Everybody but I you know, know is getting, like, awesome HD TVs, except me. Screw all y'all. Uh, don't worry, I'm still feeling the burn. We should cover the basics. Check out the website at www.animeworldorder.com. Send us some voicemail at 206-666-4AWO. And send us email at animeworldorder at gmail.com. So, what are we going to do this week? As promised... Two weeks ago, after being delayed for about a week due to the incredible need to talk about other more pressing matters, such as whatever it was I talked about last week. No, no, it was Barefoot Gen. For years I've been pronouncing it Barefoot Gen, all right? And people got mad at me, the true genius experts of the world, and said, no, no, you're wrong, it's Gen like Generation. I was like, come on, I thought it was Gen like the dude in Street Fighter, but no... It is, in fact, Gen, so I said it wrong the entire time last week. Regardless, this week, I am going to be reviewing the 1980s anthology piece Robot Carnival, which is a series of short animated works that are all about robots. It's a classic. It ran on Sci-Fi Channel a lot. And TBS. Yep, that's where I saw it, on TBS. Yeah, I don't think I ever saw it on TBS. I think I only ever saw it on Sci-Fi. I'm going to be taking a look at probably one of the weirdest and quirkiest manga that I've ever read, and probably one of the weirdest that I've ever seen released in America. Probably the first business manga that's ever been released here, based on a very popular business show in Japan, Project X Cup Noodle. The miracle of 8.3 billion served. The magic noodle, Nissan Cup Noodle. That's the entire title. By... <laughs> 
by Tadashi. Well, I can remember that. <laughs> just remember Project X Cup Noodle. If I just remember Project X, I already made the monkey chimp space joke last time. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> so it's an entire manga about instant ramen? Yes, it is. It's the story of... Does the cup noodle turn into a monster? Uh, you know, is it the alpha monster. and omega of cup noodle? <laughs> I really wish, but just because it doesn't, doesn't mean it's uh, not worth reading. I guess we'll wait mm. for the review for that. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if I buy it. We'll see. I know, I know Jetman has ruined, ruined my minds about cup noodles as well. Give me yes. the hot water, don't be naughty. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm going to have to find yes. that clip now when I edit this thing. Damn it. <laughs> Can we one more minute? <laughs> oh, hooray for Malaysian dubbing. I will be taking a look at a relatively recent series. It's pretty damn new for us, anyway. Something that we've had a bunch of people ask us to review. It's a series called Higurashi no Naku Koruni, or coming out here as When They Cry, Higurashi. Actually, that's not entirely accurate. Okay, here's the deal. What happened was the show we recorded ended up being, like, three and a half hours long and way too long to put in one file. So what we've done is we've split this episode into very much like how we split the previous episode into. So this file that you're listening to now is just the introduction and the news segment. And then there's going to be a second file that will have the actual reviews in it. So what I'm going to do after what happened last week, I noticed a lot of people have their iTunes set up to just download the most recent item in the feed. And so if you put up two things really quickly, everyone is just going to download the most recent thing. And then the other thing is going to be totally ignored. So a lot of people just didn't even listen to one of the files that we put up. Some people might have only listened to the Otakon report and some people might have only listened to the show. So what I'm going to do is we're going to have this file up. I'm going to wait a few days and then we're just going to put up the other half of this show with the actual reviews of Robot Carnival, Project X, Nissan Cup Noodle, and Higurashi. Got it? Good. And I guess just to catch up on some things, we actually had a marketing person contact us and they wanted to send us this movie. And I guess the reason that they wanted to send this movie to us is because we're a Japanese animation podcast, and this is a movie about Japanese things. It's a movie called Big... I don't think it was a marketing guy. I think it was the director of the movie. It was it? Okay. That's my well, impression when I looked at the name, and then I saw, oh, who made this? Oh, it's the guy who sent us this email. Oh, okay. It's an indie film, so yes, it's, it's entirely a, feasible. A very, very small film, Big Dreams, Little Tokyo. And, and we told them, you know, we don't really review live-action material. They said, well, it doesn't matter, just take a look at it anyway. And so they sent it on to us, and I checked it out. And they asked us just to mention a couple of words about it. It's a movie by a guy named Dave Boyle. In the movie, he basically plays, as far as I can tell, himself. The movie is about this guy who can speak Japanese absolutely 100% fluently. So much so, in fact, that he actually takes on a lot of the mannerisms of being Japanese and all that. He's trying to sell this book about how to learn English for a Japanese person. And it's essentially about him, how he is trying to make his way and trying to make some money, and his friend who is Japanese who cannot speak Japanese at all. It's set in America. I thought it was a sweet movie, although I'm not sure if I would say that it's a great movie. I mean, this is apparently the guy's very, very first thing he's ever directed. So is it like a comedy or a drama or what? It is a romantic comedy, straight up. How does it compare to Love Actually starring Hugh Grant? <laughs> <laughs> Much less teeth. 
How nebbish is it? (laughs) (laughs) Well, interesting you should say that. I guess the main actor has kind of those nervous mannerisms. It's weird. Like, the opening scene of it is the main actor who, and this is called Boyd, sitting with these three Japanese guys, and they're commenting on how well he knows Japanese. And they ask him to say all of these things, and he's sitting there really, really nervously. And they're all really laid back. And I guess that that was meant to be some sort of commentary on it, perhaps? Like, normally the Japanese are seen as uh, all stiff and everything, while the American was really stiff. I'm not sure if I've got a lot more to say about it. Would you recommend other people watch it? I was actually pretty entertained by it. In particular, there was one scene that I liked where he had to translate for this business meeting. And he had to translate with a friend of his because the guys on one side only spoke Spanish and the guys on the other side only spoke Japanese. And so he had to translate from Japanese to English so his friend could translate from English to Spanish. It was actually quite an entertaining scene because apparently the Spanish guy was not liking the Japanese guys at all. I was going into it thinking that it was going to be another like Lost in Translation or something. I like that movie. You like that movie? That movie is like, I, I thought it was going to be a comedy, and then I went in and it wasn't no. really funny at all. And no, it's, so it's I felt like I was baited and switched. And then I was like, wait a second, nothing happened in this movie. And then when I said nothing happened on this movie on the internet, everyone says, clearly you are too stupid to understand the social greatness of Lost in Translation. But I know Carl Horn has got my back on Lost in Translation, even though his reason is that he spent far too much time in that hotel, which the movie takes place in. He doesn't want to see a story about a guy being depressed in there. (laughs) Well, I guess I kind of knew what the movie was about when I went into it. It's a movie that could be set absolutely anywhere. I mean, it just happens to be in Japan. I just found it kind of interesting because I've kind of seen those sort of things happen, and we've had professors at school talk to us about those very things that happen. Social disconnection or something like that, where you come to this country and then you've got nothing to do. People tend to get really depressed and such. It seems like being in Tokyo, there would be like a billion things to do, though. It seems kind of strange to me that you would go there and then be like, oh, I have nothing to do. In my case, it would be, I have no idea where the cool things to do are. I guess for us, it would be natural that we would find a lot to do. I guess these were just regular people who were just thrown into the situation, and they just have no idea. They Are go, you talking about Lost in Translation or the movie the guy sent us? Lost in Translation. Like oh, the movie it that, seems that, to me that Tokyo yeah. is such a big city that in any city that big, there's stuff to do. I mean, there's always restaurants and bars and all kinds of other things that you can do. Well, the thing do, is, they, so. the, the, the characters in this go out and do that stuff, but right. it doesn't make them any less depressed. Mm. It's kind of like they're here, but they've got nobody to share their depression with. Except anyway, for Suntory time. So anyway, yeah. this guy's movie. <laughs> Say if people liked Lost in Translation, do you think they'd want to go see, see this movie since it covers no. sort of... Oh, not, not at all? No. No, I, I think that's the thing, is I was kind of expecting it to be something like that. And in the very, like, opening of the movie, for the first maybe, like, ten minutes, I actually thought it was set in Japan. But then you quickly see that this is just set in America, in, like, Japan town. Can you think of any movies that it's like where you can say, oh, if you like this movie, you'd like this guy's movie? I haven't seen this film, because he only sent one copy, and it was to Gerald, because, you know, you only have so many copies to give around when you're an indie And we film. actually have to send it back, too. Since, right. Uh... So, one of the things that I got the impression of when I was reading about the synopsis of it was that it seemed like it would be about the kind of people who often become anime fans because it seemed as much like it was about people who were Americans or whatever, but they felt like they were out of place in America, so they tried to 
emulate or adopt another culture? There is that element of it, and that's a really major part of it. I was actually expecting the main character to bring up anime, or if he had ever observed anime fans at conventions who take on those sort of mannerisms, but none of that actually came up. It was just about this guy who has basically taken on all the mannerisms of the Japanese, and this one guy does give him a big talking to and says, you know, what the hell's wrong with you? You're an American, and you're an American. You're not Japanese. So what you're saying is this movie is for people who think Ghost Dog, The Way of the Samurai, starring Forrest Whitaker, is awesome, because that movie is awesome. And everyone should see it. I've only seen the end of that movie like three well, times. The end of that movie more is of largely not the important part. The rest of the movie is what's the important part. All I know is the like basic outline of the plot. That makes me laugh. Well, anyway, if you find yourself similar to Ghost Dog, as I do, <laughs> this sounds like the movie to watch. <laughs> I'm sure this guy hates us now. Well, Forrest Whitaker won an Oscar. I just compared him to Academy Award-winning actors <laughs> in films where, you know, you hide out underneath the toilet and then shoot up into the toilet to kill a guy. <laughs> I don't think there was a scene like that in this movie. All movies should have scenes like that. <laughs> all right, so I guess uh, that's pretty much all we can say about this, or what? Yeah. I, I wish I'd seen the movie, then I could say something about it, but oh. Yeah, well. I'm in the yeah. same boat. Like, I haven't seen it, so I don't really know what to say. A lot of people need to realize that there's three of us, and we don't live together. We also are not the same person. <laughs> yes. No, we're not. <laughs> yes, we're not the same person, and we don't live together, so when you send a copy of something, if you want us all to watch it, you have to send three copies. Anyway, I guess we should probably mention the Parsec Awards? Yeah, I actually went to Dragon Con for a day over Labor Day weekend, and it wasn't for the Parsec Awards specifically, although we were nominated for one. You get nominated for this award because you nominate yourself, or in our case, Aaron from the Weekly Anime Review Podcast nominated us. Anyone who submits their name gets nominated, and then they say, okay, send in an audio sample of your show. Only nine anime podcasts were there for the best anime category, and they had to choose five. But only five people sent in samples to begin with. <laughs> so we got uh. in by default. <laughs> they were forced to put us on there. That wasn't the reason why I went. The reason why I went to check out Dragon Con, because for years I've been fucking terrified of this place. Rightly so, might I add, because it was everything that I envisioned it in my head to be. But... Dragon Con has something that no place else in the world has, and it's a podcasting track. Well, it's not anywhere else in the world because there is, like, Pacific Media Expo. Is that what it's called? Yeah. There are podcasting conventions, but, like, this one is actually in our area of the country. And it had a podcasting track where a bunch of podcasters and people who are crazy go-nuts psycho about listening to podcasts would go. And since it's Dragon Con, and Dragon Con is notorious for being anti-anime anything... They have the same one tiny video room in the utmost catacombs of the hotel that no one will ever find that's been there for nine years, and it was the same thing this time. So I went there because we've always talked about on the show, no one ever sends us hate mail. No one ever says, like, <laughs> hey, you could do this to be better, or whatever. So I went there, and I pretended I was nobody, just so you can get real, actual advice. I wanted, like a fresh take on things. And I pretty much got that. And a lot of the stuff they said just can't ever apply to this show, period. But it was interesting. And the Parsec Awards themselves are going to be put up. But no, we didn't win. Geek Nights won. But the show itself was actually pretty well put together. And the thing I noticed as I walked around, people don't know who any of the anime podcasts are. It's not like they don't know specifically who we are. 
And the reason is that does anyone here actually listen to non-anime podcasts with any regularity? I listen to a couple of video game podcasts and I listen to a couple of BBC things, but I think a few of those might actually be on their digital channels and then just be podcast as well. I really haven't even had much time to listen to even other anime podcasts lately at work, which is the only place I really ever got to listen to them, so... Right, and I'm in the same no. boat, and a lot of these shows are hosted on Libsyn, and Libsyn is blocked from where I work, so I can't really listen to as many podcasts as I would like. And so we're all basically in this boat that we don't really interact with these other podcasts because of various circumstances. However, the end result of that is that there seems to be this very real sentiment among other podcasters that all the anime podcasts are antisocial, which is true. <laughs> I'm an otaku. I live alone in a house yeah. of isolation. Mm. I am antisocial, but it's reflecting badly on anime in general. And so maybe I should start listening to these shows and sending them email or something like that, but I don't know. There's just... It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, though. I mean... There are people in sci-fi fandom who know and like anime, but fell out of it because they don't know what to watch, which is kind of what this show is for. And so I think some people who have interest in podcasts and listen to podcasts might be interested in listening to anime. I don't know, but they don't know our show even exists, so maybe I can get like my promo played or something. Once we make promos, anyway. But that was one thing I noticed about Dragon Con. Very nice people, as far as the podcasts go. Not a whole lot of egotistical jerks, other than me, really. Kind of weird, though. It was a pretty terrifying place. Like, do you know what filking is? Yeah. Oh, yes. That's what Dragon Con's got a lot of. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> I guess I'm the only person who's not inordinately bothered by the existence of filking. I'm not really into it, but it doesn't offend me personally. It doesn't offend me either. It just, I don't get the concept. It completely, I'm like, what does this mean? <laughs> <laughs> some of the podcasters I talked to, I was like, oh, I've heard your show, but I have no idea what it means. Soccer Girl is not happy, I don't think. Anyway. I thought that was a porno podcast or something. It is not. It's just this bizarre non sequitur. I listened to one episode, which I thought was just very strange. It was just a bunch of audio played, and then it was 45 seconds long, and it finished. <laughs> and it wasn't even a promo. It was just, this is the show. It's just something really bizarre. Yeah, that's, yes. why, I, that's why I told her. I was like, I can't wrap my mind around it. I don't get it. It's very strange. But, but she's that's... insanely popular. She's in, like, top 20 podcasts on the internet or something like that. Yeah, just... I mean, it's obviously me and not them. So We do have emails. We neglected to read emails last week because of my Florida Supercon coverage, but I've got one here. This one here is from Sky Morrell. First email, Guru is the subject. First and foremost, I would like to thank you for taking the time from your busy schedule to read my email. This is my first time mailing you, so I apologize for anything I mess up in the following message. I am 14, a girl, and live in Kansas. Now due to my age, some people think I am not a true anime fan. To me, anime and manga isn't just a side dish to my life, but a valuable part of it. Everything I do is somewhat centered around it, except farm chores. Two of my friends and I are complete nerds. We may not remember the Japanese voice actors, directors, etc.'s names, so that does bring our nerdiness down a few notches. And she continues to refer to some things that we've said in the past. I agree that there should be 18 plus and 21 plus cons. That would be great for adults. I am sure they are tired of the morons and jerks or just us kids at conventions. It is wonderful that there is now such a con for them in Rhode Island, referring to the uh, 
Providence Anime Conference, which we have been assured by staffers it will not be a creepy porn fest. Anyway, she continues, I hope they spread around the U.S. and into other countries. Okay, I am sorry, but let's journey back up a few sentences. My two friends and I draw in the Japanese style, whatever that means, but don't consider our amateur artistry as manga, etc. When you guys said those things about contests, gaming, etc. and cons, I completely agreed. Sure, I love video games. I am currently playing Tales of Legendia, but I go to anime conventions for anime and manga, and to learn more about it, not to play games. People should cosplay for fun, not to win prizes. I do. I suck at sewing, but I wear it because I find it fun and exciting. There were other things that I had agreed upon, but this is turning out too long, so I will not mention them. Now, for one, two last things. Normally, I wouldn't go around telling people what I want to be, but I hope to be part of the industry soon. I want to translate anime for dubbing. I think it would be really fun, and I would learn a lot more. Unfortunately, I want to work for ADV. It is in Texas, right? I don't want to live there because it is too hot and hurricanes. <laughs> Do any of you have suggestions for me? And now for the final thing, I was wondering if you could review Air TV. If you have, please ignore this. I probably missed it when I was checking up anime you guys reviewed. Also, I saw some of Ergo Proxy. I hated it. It was so boring. I'm into comedy, action, a little shoujo, sci-fi, yaoi, even though she's 14, and horror. Please list some suggestions if you can. Keep up your great podcast. An avid listener, Sky Moral. All right, so I guess step one, if you want to translate anime, is you have to live where the anime stuff is, or you have to be well-known enough that you can work from home. Like Neil Nadelman, mm -hmm. he lives out in Massachusetts. I wasn't sure if it was as necessary. I mean, obviously, for stuff like voice actors that have to actually be there in the booth, they're going to want to live in the area. They could fly in, but you're going to want to be well-known before you can do that. Right. That's why but, some yeah. people live in Canada and were right. able to do it. But for yeah. translators, it's not as location-specific, is it? Well, here's the thing that I've been told by some translators. They've been having an uh, increasingly harder time getting work because studios are now starting to get in-house translators. Ah. Yeah. And so in that circumstance, it might be beneficial to actually be where the company is located because right. a lot of translators right now work freelance. And yes. Things are starting to reach the point where it's like, oh, we'll just hire full-time translators and right. make them do our stuff. And speaking of which, we've also heard that because so many kids are going to school and taking Japanese and getting BAs in Japanese, the price that you can ask for doing Japanese anime translation has, I don't know if plummeted is the right word, but it's darn close. There's a lot of people out there now who can translate Japanese enough that uh, it would work for anime. It's also the fact that, quite frankly, companies are settling for translations that are not as good. Yeah, it's all about speed. That's really been a bad thing for manga lately. They're hiring people who are cheap and not necessarily people who are really good. Not to say that there aren't people working in manga translation now who aren't good at what they do, but definitely they've been dropping the prices because they know that they can get away with not turning out a super detailed, really high-quality translation. When the translators are bidding down their price, they're obviously going to take the cheapest one. Right. Yeah, yeah. that's kind of affected it for the entire industry, from what I understand. Yeah, I've been really dismayed by the effect that it has now that people are releasing novels. Because badly translated novel is unreadable. Yeah. yeah, even though a lot of these things are light novels, and so, you know, they may not be the finest of Japanese literature or anything, still, in a manga, 
if the translator isn't really that amazing and maybe the sentences don't flow as well as they could or the character's dialogue doesn't sound distinctive or whatever, you have a lot of pretty pictures to distract you. Yeah. But in a novel, it's just words. Light novels tend to have a few illustrations here and there, but it still doesn't compare. You're just reading paragraphs and paragraphs of text. And so when the sentences feel really stiff... It really just kills the whole thing, and I found that the few novels that I've been buying and trying to read, they're just not really up to par for what a novel translation needs to be. So what suggestions do we have for Sky regarding this potential career path? Maybe a good thing for her to do, I know she really wants to work on anime, but probably a good thing would be to work on translating other things. If she really wants to translate freelance, she'll be able to make more money translating some other things. And then once she gets well-known, then she has stuff to put on her resume, which will make it easier for maybe her to be able to work remotely. And then also, she'll be able to supplement if she doesn't get paid a lot for the anime or manga translations. Which you won't. She can supplement yeah. it by translating some things like maybe technical manuals, or if she gets really good interpreting. Yeah, I thought you could get quite a lot of money for interpretation, since that's Yeah, you pretty, can, because it demands yeah. a really high level of skill. I mean, yeah. it's not something she'd be able to do right off the bat, because you have to be really good at both languages, unless they're using, like, dual interpreters, which a lot of people aren't going to do. Yeah. I know from personal experience, conversational is a lot harder than reading and writing, because you don't have as much time to sit there and look things up, and you have to deal with people slurring their words or talking really fast. And it's, or talking it's while drunk. Anyway, <laughs> also, I hear that they hire a lot from the fansub community. It so. always is kind of funny when the industry people complain about fansubs and scandalations, because, uh, yeah, they do seem to recruit some translators from there, so... Yeah. It seems to be working out for them, at least in that regard. Maybe that's something she could look at. I'm sure the Japanese people will hate you for it, but... Yeah, probably. Anyway, as far as hating Japanese people, Air TV. No, we have not reviewed it. For a full list of everything we've reviewed, you can go to our website at AnimeWorldOrder.com and click on the review index. And we've got a full list of everything we've ever reviewed, but no, we have not reviewed Air TV, perhaps... We might be slowly but surely opening the doors. We have reviewed canon after a fashion. <laughs> yes, One or two episodes of. of it. As far as the other stuff about the conventions that she was talking about, I honestly can't remember when we talked about the convention stuff. When the, it was a what long convention? Time long, ago. long time ago. Yeah. Are there conventions in Kansas for anime? There must be. There must be a couple. You can go to oh. animecons.com and find out. I guess we should actually try to put a dent in the voicemails that we've got. This one in particular is from Aaron from the Ninja Consultants, and it's in reference to our discussion about movie prices and things like that. So Yeah, uh, from the recent episode. Yeah, so I guess we should give that a listen. Hey, guys, this is Aaron from the Ninja Consultant Podcast. I was catching up on your show that you released for Oticon, and I have some things to tell you about film distribution that I learned in film distribution class, where... Theater owners get a certain percentage of ticket sales, but that percentage changes depending on how long a movie has been out. So in the first two weeks the movie's out, the producers of the film collect 90% of the ticket sales, and the theater owners collect 10%. Most films see a huge drop-off in their audience after the first two weeks, but the percentage starts to change. So if a movie has been out for like 14 weeks, 
it's completely reverse. And the theater owners get 90% of the ticket sales, and the producers only get 10%. So movies that are kind of like sleeper hits, like Jerry Maguire was, that plays for 13 weeks, the theaters do really well. Because even if, like, five people are seeing it in week 11, the theaters making most of the money off the tickets. Producers win when the movie's really bad and word of mouth gets out after two weeks, but they already made their percentage of the dough in the first two weeks, so it's in their favor to have a giant ad campaign with a lot of, you know, glitz and tons of TV spots. Everyone's really hyped up weeks before, and everyone sees it in the first two weeks, and the movie sucks, and then word gets out, and, like, no one sees it after that. And that's why Hollywood continues to produce bad movies while theaters continue to hype up the ticket sales, because there are so many bad movies nowadays that people don't really see them after the first two weeks. So if you want theaters to do well, I guess what you do is see movies that's been playing for a long time before it goes out of the theater. And yeah, I guess buy some popcorn. Also, later in the show, you talk about how anime movies don't play in theaters. I don't know what you're talking about. I live in New York City, so all of those movies play here. Ah, ha, 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 suckers. Bye. Damn you, New York people. Well, they also... also Keep in mind that this is uh, from a woman who hates 300. Maybe it's because she's a woman. (laughs) As for what she was saying about movie prices and all that, I actually didn't know that that's how it worked. I guess that very few movies actually make a lot of money beyond the third or fourth week. Right. This is interesting because I actually just went to see a movie yesterday, and they had an advertisement before the movie, which I hate those things because I'm paying for the ticket and then I sit for advertisements. But apparently there's this company called Media Fathom. Their website is Fathom Events. And what these guys are trying to do is they're putting these one-day, one-time-only events into theaters across the country and they put concerts and the poltergeist 25th anniversary into theaters and what they're doing at the end and the middle of september is they're running four anime movies for one day only they did the naruto movie previously right i don't know if that was them okay well viz had done it and it employed a reasonable amount of success having this movie play for just one night and just one showing or whatever and i'm looking at the website now it's fathomevents.com and the Things of note that are coming up on the 19th of September is Robotech The Shadow Chronicles. On the 20th is Full Metal Alchemist. And apparently all of these play in the afternoon once. On the 26th is Lupin Castle of Cagliostro. And on the 27th is Karas, The Prophecy. I would say, Bakes, go back and listen to our reviews of a lot of these shows. I think it's totally worth it to go see Castle of Cagliostro in a theater. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm actually hoping I can see that some way. I don't know if I'll And I'm be sure around. a lot of people... I know at every single con I've gone to, a lot of people really want to see Full Metal Alchemist, the movie, in the theater as well. And it's been a really disappointing thing a lot of the times when it's gotten canceled. I think right. that virtually all of those are held on, like, the middle of the week or something like that, because they ha- probably have to be, because... You yeah, probably it's probably hard for them to get theater yeah. space in a weekend. They probably wouldn't want to take up that space anyway. I'll definitely go to some of these. Right, you have to check this website to see if yeah. the theater nearby you is actually doing this. Right. Yeah. The ones in Orlando are. We're very lucky in that we have one very close by to us that is doing this. So, And um, I suggest that, oh, well, we always talk about, oh, how come we don't get more anime and movie theaters? Well, people have to pay the money to go see this anime and movie theater. And yes, every single yes. one of those things is something that you can either see on DVD or download, but for the sake of you know, supporting the theatrical releases of anime, then I would say, yes, go out and spend the money and buy the popcorn or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you go I'd probably and go and see, and see all of those except for Full Metal Alchemist because I would be completely lost, perhaps. <laughs> so, 
even Karis, even I, was I might even say su- I thought you hated Karis. I hate that so much, but to oh, support- Patrick Macias won't be your friend anymore. Well, he doesn't talk to me <laughs> anyway, so there we go. But definitely Cagliostro. I really want to see that in theaters. Yeah, yeah. Check the website to see if it's playing in the theater near you. If we're not derelict in our duty, we will put a link up in our show notes, like actual worthwhile information for once. Yeah. What a concept. And, you know, if we can get this episode out before they all finish. So. (laughs) Crap! All right. We've got another email. This one's a pretty short one from Karasu Heavy. And he says, hey, Daryl, Gerald, and Clarissa, I was wondering, what do you guys think of Ninja Nonsense? Which is the English title of an anime that was originally called uh, Niniga Shinobuden. I haven't actually seen all of this show, but I know that Gerald and I have seen part of it. Daryl, I don't know if yeah. you've seen any of it, have you? No, no, I haven't. I just okay. know that you know a lot of people, when they talk about it, they frequently talk about lesbian undertones and Norio Wakamoto. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. That about sums it up. I mean, we saw yeah, about I mean, four we episodes, seen all of it. So? I think it was more than that, but... okay. But what we watched was good. It's not that we stopped watching it because it was not enjoyable, but it was just one of those things that we just ended up stopping watching it and just haven't gotten around to finishing. Yeah, Um, it's a very frenetic comedy, but I wouldn't say it's as random as Excel Saga, perhaps. Yeah. So you think maybe in the future, is that something you might want to review? Or is that pretty much sums it up with lesbian undertones and Norio Wakamoto? (laughs) That's worth talking about, I think. Lesbian undertones and Norio Wakamoto. And considering that every single line Norio Wakamoto says is screamed, and he talks a lot. That's... Yeah, yeah. It's like Norio Wakamoto as Shigeru Chiba. He plays a little orange-yellow blob. So. <laughs> yes. It's a very weird little show, but it's very cute and very funny. You should check it out. Yeah, I guess we'll have like a full review of that at some point. Which brings up another point, I guess. We noticed that we've been doing a lot of these reviews that are like just of one disc. And yeah, we kind of don't like that we've been doing that. We said from the beginning that we don't really like doing that, and we like to review entire series. And the problem is, is that anime companies send us one disc at a time, and they oftentimes want a review of this thing out, but we don't really want to spend a long time talking about just a part of a show. So what we're probably going to do in the future is talk about it really quickly in the intro, and then we'll actually have a full review of the entire series when everything is released. Yeah, because I'm hearing that Le Chevalier Dan, for one, is not a good show after that first disc, and I only watched the first disc and did my mm. review. I feel really guilty about that, because part of the whole reason why we're reviewing whole series is because we've been burned too many times by shows that do that. Yeah. And yeah. so yeah. I don't want to spread that disease anymore. You should watch more of that, though, before... Yeah, yeah, before, because maybe everyone is just wrong and I'm right, yeah. which is often the case. <laughs> <laughs> but... That's the exact reason why we just don't like to do that. And yeah. hopefully you won't be hearing any more long reviews of just partial series. It'll just be short bits, and then the anime companies will have to send us the rest of the show before we'll give a complete segment. In which case, and, I'm sure no one will ever send us anything ever again. But oh well. Oh well. Yeah, we were on the edge anyway. Uh, I guess we can um, just get on... We just got oh. a comment. The iTunes thing, that's right. Yeah. Uh, yes, as we are speaking... This comment came through. We're completely dating our recording of this episode now. But yeah. Beavon iTunes Kiss. has just put up yeah. Blackjack, Phoenix, and the 80s Astro Boy show. Yep. I assume that that means the Blackjack 
OAVs or the movie because, to my knowledge, the television series has never been licensed. The two television series for Blackjack and the new movie have not been licensed by anybody. If it is either one of the new television series, I will be very, very excited because I hadn't heard anyone license them. We're not sure which one. I don't even have iTunes installed on my computer because I'm not subscribed to my own damn podcast. But yeah, we'll check right now. I'm just going into the iTunes store now. It actually says here, classic anime just added, and they have thing right on the very front page. They have uh, an entire page for it, and it's Tezuka Productions. So they've got Phoenix here, Blackjack. Let me just click on the Blackjack one. Okay, too. right. Yeah, see, see if it's the movie or the OAVs. Yes, it's ten episodes. Which so is then that's the CPM OAVs. Yes. Yeah. And, which everybody uh, should watch. Yeah, we've been not reviewing it out of fear, Yeah. largely. Yes. Yeah, they're really awesome, even if they're not the most faithful... Those ten OAVs, that first movie, are the very typical Osamu Dezaki, Akio Sugino style of insanity yes. that I love so much. Second movie is more in line with the recent TV series, but right, right. I think that both the TV series and the OAVs are excellent. In I like them ways. both. They're just very different. Yes. Yeah, totally different. That's but how excellent. I feel about it. They're and both worth watching, uh, but. I'm looking at Phoenix. They've got the entire Phoenix on there and Astro Boy. Well, Phoenix the series. Which Phoenix? This, this series. It's definitely the series. It is the 2004 series. 13 episodes. Okay, because there were Phoenix OAVs in the 80s, and there were movies. And the Astro Boy TV series, they have got 51 episodes here. Yeah. So, so that basically is the English dub release of the, the 80s Astro Boy. Two dollars for Astro Boy. I'm on that page right now, and I assume it's two dollars for everything. Just so you know, Blackjack. Those episodes are like 45 minutes long. So one of them is almost an hour long. Yeah. So you get a little bit more for your money there if you want to go the iTunes way. Doesn't the Astro Boy DVD set come out to like? A buck or less an episode, though? It's very, it's very cheap. Very cheap. And it's dual audio as well. So people might want to check it out on iTunes, but if they like it, it's probably more efficient money-wise to buy the DVDs. But that seems like a pretty decent price for Blackjack. I'd have to calculate... I'd have to look at the price on the OAVs now and see what that comes out to per episode. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's more of a you download an episode and see if this is your thing, yeah. and then get the box set, because you've got the dual audio and better right, right. video quality and everything. And there are commentary tracks by Osamu Dezaki on those DVDs, so those are worth it alone. Yeah, not enough, but there are some, thank God. All right, so I guess that should do it for the intro. Maybe we might roll that part into the news segment, but as I, uh, I don't need to tell you, Gerald, we got some news to talk about. Let's news! Working to restore power. Okay, so it's been a few weeks since we have had a news segment, and you turn around and you leave the internet for a day, and everything on internet newsland goes freaking haywire, because the big, big story as far as anime news is concerned is that Genion is pretty much done, gone, not really an entity anymore. ADV has purchased pretty much Genion's library and so now everything genion had goes to adv now that's pretty big news because genion was a big freaking company and it's not like they were doing bad work i mean everyone i know who 
watches Helsing Ultimate likes it, and they were paying for that show. Yeah. And that's an expensive thing to make. I was buying Black Lagoon and, like... Yeah, I just put in an order for the second box set today. Oh, they were going to release Cyan Koku. Yep, and yep. so there's a lot... Genion has released a lot of good stuff, but here's what I think happened. They released a lot of expensive things that nobody bought, and some of those expensive things were really good, and some of them were god-awful terrible. We're going to be talking about one of those shows this episode. Yeah, so. as a matter of fact. But, I mean, I love Hajime no Ippo, but that show, they lost so much money on. Ugh. We all know why. It's because they released it one disc at a time. And when you look at that shelf and you see those 15 DVDs, you're like, screw this. Same story for Lupin the Third. I love Lupin the Third. 15 DVDs worth? Eh, I don't know. I only got them because of that clearance sale at Right Stuff. Gonkutsuo, great show. Must have been expensive to license. Not a whole lot yeah. of people bought it. New Getter Robo, we always heard that's like $75,000 per episode or whatever the rumor was. Nobody bought that. No one bought that. How so. about Tetris in 28? Was that theirs as well? That was theirs as well. I guarantee oh, you nobody bought that. Yeah, they're not releasing that in like $40 for the entire show. Do we know what's going to happen with the announced getting on releases? Like, are the Hajimino Ippo Thin Packs still coming out? I or? think they are still coming out, but the thing that has happened is all that exists of Genion now is basically, like, a small licensing arm, kind of like how maybe how Katakawa or whatever exists, but they don't really make the stuff themselves. Now, when was this announced? It got leaked on ICV2, so if you go to ICV2 right now as we record this, ANN is down, but if you go there, you can see the leak, and then you can see the press release for it that came the following week, because it got leaked on a Friday, and then the press release was like the following Monday or Tuesday. I'm not going to dispute what you said, but I'm just going to take maybe perhaps a different angle to it. The article that I'm reading that is very brief on this, just says that ADV takes over Ganyon's sales, marketing, and distribution. That's 70% of an anime company. <laughs> I understand. But perhaps, and the thing is that ADV, I believe, does the distribution for, is it Viz or some other company? I forgot. Well, Ganyon did the distribution for Bandai Visual. Who's distributing Bandai Visual stuff now? ADV. So it's not just ADV getting Ganyon, they also get Bandai Visual. And... They also might get Right Stuff, if I'm not mistaken. Or no, it might be the other way around. Cause... Right Stuff is weird. I believe Right Stuff like distributes Im Imaginations stuff. Okay. It might be, and like I said, I don't dispute that what you said there about them not buying stuff is right, but this might not be like the end of Ganyon. It might be that they are seeing that ADV can do what they're doing more efficiently. So they might still be around and they might still license stuff. They just so, might get ADV to do the, the groundwork on it. I guess it's not something I'm particularly worried about personally, but um, are the dub casts for these shows going to be recast? Good question, because Denion would use outside companies like New Generation Pictures, which does very good work, and a couple yeah. other companies for their dubs. ADV does all their dubbing in-house. They've got their yeah. own studios for that stuff. But the thing is, it doesn't say anything about production. It just says sales, right. marketing, and distribution. That's all. That is, getting it into stores, getting advertisements into magazines, getting it on the shelves. It doesn't mm. say anything else about that. What I've been told is that basically Genion doesn't really exist anymore. That's what I've heard from reading the ANN forums 
I know people have talked about, like, back in the days, and I say back in the days, I mean the 80s, people would lament about, oh, man, Harmony Gold, they're going to come in and kind of take over everything. ADV has kind of become what those people who would talk about the Harmony Gold conspiracy theory, they're kind of doing that for real. And I don't have anything against ADV as ADV's a company. ADV's the EA of anime industry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yes, if it's in the anime, it's in the anime. Defeat them now, before they become too powerful. But as oh I was God. saying, it's not that I have any particular objection to ADV, but no. the consolidation of that much quote-unquote power in one spot can lead to a lot of weird things happening. It's like how I mentioned EA, and the thing is that if you don't have competition, it's bad. Right, so exactly. So if ADV yeah. buys up other companies, and ADV becomes either the only game in town or nearly the only game in town, then even though the people at ADV may not particularly be bad people or anything, it's a chance that we'll see the same thing happen that happens with EA with video games where you don't have to try as hard when you don't have other people one-upping you. Yeah, there's only right. one When you don't have other people well, undercutting yeah. your prices, you don't have to go as low. You can price gouge a little more. And you can you release know, the like same that. thing over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Well, I mean, think about it this way. What if ADV got a contract that they would be the only people in America to release anything and everything that Gainax ever made ever. I'm not saying ADV would do this, by the way, but then you don't have the motivation to do an especially stellar job because right. they've got nothing else to buy. And hey, if people don't buy it, you can always blame it on fan subbers. I can't really see an upside to this happening. I mean, but I can't say that Genion totally didn't bring it upon themselves after a fashion. They did give us Koi Kaze. So, <laughs> quality of shows aside, they were choosing these shows that, like you said, are ne not necessarily great shows. Some of them were excellent, but they just weren't necessarily popular shows. Yeah, they, it seems right. like they needed to just get a few more shows that were sellable. Yeah, like, I mean, I love Paranoia Agent, and, and that ran on Cartoon Network. Yeah. But I don't know if that's really a super popular title. Like, when you think of the big Denion titles, Trigon, Helsing, stuff like that. But the thing right. is, I thought that would have sustained them, because those were massive titles. They were massive titles, uh. but maybe they just aren't massive enough. I mean, considering I was all the money I Black Lagoon they would... Uh... Yeah, I'd hope that, that'd be a big title, but doing, I don't but... think it's really super lighting the world on fire the way that like their release of Akira a couple years ago was right. like a big, big deal. Black Lagoon's a great show, but it's not yeah. like wow, everyone is watching Black Lagoon and it's flying off the shelves. I don't really see that. Right. Yeah, that's pretty unfortunate. And I mean Black Lagoon, I would like to see it get onto TV. They would have yeah. to edit the hell up out of it because Thus there is so much more point of Black Lagoon. Yeah. Adult Swim would be the best chance, but yeah, and even, even then, then, I mean, even they then, say, they say so fuck plenty of times in that show. So yeah, so yeah, it's uh, it's pretty unfortunate. I don't know. We'll see how it plays out, but I don't really see this ending well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Had they ever announced Marimite yet? No, not as far as I know. Yeah, that was all over the Shit. place. In fact, it even made it into the Diamond catalog, which, if it makes it into Diamond, that's usually like the solid gold, yes, this is licensed and being released. And apparently it did and shouldn't have been in there. Because I really wonder if anybody else would release that. I don't or know. Or do a decent job of it if they did. The rumor was it was going to be just like two box sets, and that's it. Hmm. Which is and kind of the way to release a show like that, if you ask yeah. me. Yeah. Yeah. As long as they're nice box sets, mm -hmm. you know. I yeah. think a lot of the stuff we're talking about does kind of tie in to the stuff that Steve Harrison keeps talking about, that basically 
once Media Play or Music Land or Suncoast or whatever shut down, that really hit everyone really hard because yeah. that was where one third of all the anime sales were coming from. Yeah. And so the money that used to be there now no longer is. Like it's not like the people who were buying that stuff all Went moved other places. to Best yeah. Buy or moved to Walmart or wherever it is to offset the loss of those stores. They are just more or less gone. But I have also got no idea if the buying practices of Suncoast is are the what same made them go out of business. Is or is <laughs> the same as Best Buy, because we know that Best Buy has got these really evil tactics where they buy like 10,000 copies. And then send back a whole bunch of copies. Yeah, send back everything that doesn't sell, and then... And then make them owe that money. I wonder if Suncoast was the same. I doubt it. I think they just bought a bunch of stuff, and the companies got their money, and the debt went to Suncoast for having all this unsold Mm. stuff. I don't know the details, and I'm sure I'm going to get 10,000 words of what the details are, which is what I want, (laughs) really. Yes, yes. If you know exactly how Suncoast did their business, tell us. And you are not Steve Harrison. (laughs) (laughs) Even Steve. Even Steve. I'm just messing with him because he's (laughs) online right now. Thanks, Best Buy, for ruining it, even though I'm... It's not really ruining it. I I buy a lot of my anime from Best Buy, because really, the only times when brick-and-mortar stores are competitive with online are like that first week that it comes out, and it's on sale. Yeah. That's usually the price that, eh, it's pretty much the same as what Deep Discount wants. I'll buy it from the store. It all kind of ties together, like, the need to have these cheaper dub studios, need to consolidate these places, and use cheaper translators, and use the dub studio out in fucking Singapore. New Generation Pictures is even opening up a studio in China. Oh, man. Yeah. What they're going to do is they have found that it is just too expensive to pay these audio engineering technicians or whatever. So they're going to open up a recording studio in China, fly the main principal actors out to China, record the show there. It is cheaper to do that than to record in L.A. or record New York or wherever. But the thing is, is that notice how I mainly speculated that it was the principal guys. I get the terrible feeling that a lot of the incidental people will just be people from China who speak English, very much like how the horrible, horrible Odex dubs that are being made now, which for those who don't know, when we reviewed Zapang a very long time ago, that dub was made in Singapore or something like that. Well, we didn't like review that. the DVD of it. We just oh, reviewed no, we just it. reviewed the show. But when Genion <laughs> released that show, another good show that nobody bought that was probably pretty yes. expensive. To cut costs, got a studio named Odex that makes their English dubs in Singapore, and Singapore is not really the place to go for people who speak the best amount of English, and with Zapang being such a dialogue-heavy show, it's pretty bad news. And yes, we thought we were done with the age where people would be dubbing things into English by people who don't natively speak English, but apparently... As a result of all this free trade and the need to just cut costs by any means necessary, regardless of if it makes a quality hit, this is the kind of stuff that's happening. Now, New Generation Pictures has a reputation for making good dubs. But, again, I don't know if it'll really be noticeable or not. You'd you'd think it'd have to be, right? It's 1986 all over again. Yeah, uh, it's... (laughs) It's funny. But one thing I do notice is that what Ganyan seemed to do, which I think kind of hurt them in a way was they would release shows like New Getter Robo, and then they'd put them in a box set. And the box set would be really, really expensive. Yeah, you wouldn't actually save money by waiting for the box. And I guess their yeah. rationale was, we don't want people to wait for the box. We want yes. to reward people who buy the disc in the box and the individual volume releases. 
I don't think that really worked out too well for them because anime fans, what we want are to buy anime the same way we buy everything else. Every yeah. single other thing is sold by the season. Yes. And I understand. And the season doesn't cost a hundred dollars. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, is that anime companies have to make back all their money from licensing productions that are on DVD sales only. They don't have TV deals or advertising costs and such to make up for that, such yeah. that, like, most TV shows on DVD have made They're their money already. Away, so, right. Yeah. But still, that's generally the price point we're used to, and I kind of liked the approach of release the box set first, and then release the individual volumes. Not very many companies have done this. Anime Ego did it with Ursa Yatsura. Bandai Entertainment did it with their horrible Zeta Gundam release. And then the single volume releases were better. Media Blasters did it for Magic Knight Ray Earth. They released those two box sets, and then they released the individuals. And I believe they did it... This wasn't Media Blasters. I believe Pioneer Ganyan, I guess. Did they release Fushigi Yugi? I know Fushigi Yugi was the same Fushigi way. Fushigi Yugi was expensive as hell. But, well, the thing is, they released it as two box sets, and then they released it as individual discs. But I kind of think that that's sort of a better way to go. When I was talking with Jeremy from Destroy All Podcast DX about what kind of stuff might have hurt Denion, and he was saying very much like how the comics in the 90s kind of were hurt by this, but all the ridiculous limited edition packaging, Denion was guilty of doing this a lot. Like, yeah. oh, get the metal tin apple seed or the metal tin Akira or the weird cover such and such. And we're starting to even see this come back. ADV has, like, the not-quite-chromium covers for DVDs now. Well, yeah. I understand why they're doing that, though, because if they just give you a disc with some interviews on it, it's very easy to rip that and put that online, and you've got everything it's just as good, except it doesn't come with a box. Right. right. But if they give you some incentive, even if it's a bandana in New Get a Robo, or something. Yeah, then at yeah least... and I mean, if the box that you buy, like, to get the special edition of the first disc is just a cardboard box, even if that cardboard box has a pretty picture on it, it's still a cardboard box and you're paying, like, what, ten bucks extra? Yeah, the you problem know? is, of course, that you are paying that five dollars extra for something, which right. does hurt. So. Yeah, I mean, because I buy those, but I buy them occasionally for certain shows. Well, remember, now that ADV's got all their stuff, say what you will about the Denny Unbox that's being super expensive, at least the releases were either identical to the individual disc release or had more than the individual disc release. Yeah. ADV <laughs> thin packs often strip extras out. Although I think they I stopped still... that. Oh, Maybe. Did they? I really I think they stopped that. doing that. I'm not 100% sure, but I know that the reaction to that was so negative, right. as it should be. Because it's a stupid, yeah. stupid idea, and you're a bad company for well, doing that, ADV. Because it made me never want to buy thin packs from them ever again, because now it's just like, well, I can't trust whether the thin pack is going to have the extras on it. I mean, unless it's something that had really shitty extras to begin with, yeah. such that I would not actually care if they were missing, like Saint Seiya, except in that condition, I'm like, well, I'm not going to buy the thin pack, because... I want the extras. So yeah, before they were the only people doing that. Now we're probably going to be seeing a lot more of that if they still practice. What's it. even better is that what would happen is they would release those thin packs, strip out the extras, and then the individual discs might go out of print or be impossible yeah. to find, and then those extras are gone forever. I actually was looking at a thin pack of something, and they kept the opinions and views expressed on this do not represent that of ADV Films. Presumably, that's like the disclaimer put on things with commentary tracks, right? But the extras were stripped out. <laughs> they stripped out the extras, but they still left the disclaimer for the uh, wow. commentary track. On the uh, like, on the other hand, nice. though, ADV is the one that's uh, winning the game. Yep, they are. So, so it's the Microsoft philosophy. 
you do really good and make a lot of money by completely dicking over your customers. Funny how that works. Funny how that works, all the people who mm. just gave up Windows XP for Vista 08. I think mm. more people use Mac OS to visit our podcast and our website than they do Windows Vista, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, but then they force it on you because you can't buy a computer now that doesn't come with... Yeah, I had, to, fi- I had to fight to get... Dell actually... They only offered Vista, and then people enough people complained that they rolled back on it. But that still leaves all the other. That's companies. what I heard. But the last time I went to Dell's website, all the laptops I looked at only Vista. Yeah, my uh, Vista, my no laptop XP was option. also Vista only. I had to have my own XP installation to get XP on there. And uh, that was like a week ago because I'm looking for a new laptop right now. So this was very very recently, and it was still Vista only. Yeah, I think it was just the desktops. So, yeah. what other news is there? This is obviously the big thing, and we're going to be talking about this for some time to come. Right. Yeah, that's the big thing. Everything else is just small beans, I guess. Although, this is kind of interesting because this is the first time that we've seen this happen, even if it isn't in America. And this has been an ongoing story for a while. In Singapore, the company Odex that Daryl was just talking about is actually taking legal action against heavy duty downloaders of anime. From what I understand, is that they've got about the top thousand anime downloaders and about 105 of these downloaders odex claims have contacted the company to negotiate settlements Hmm. i only mention this because we've talked for years and years in america about how something is going to happen i actually uh have encountered someone who has received one of these letters and he scanned it what happens is they send you a letter and basically it's a settlement that they kind of want to force you to sign this thing. The amount you pay as settlement varies, basically either $2,500 to $3,500 U.S. for downloading stuff. And it basically says, I, name of downloader, acknowledge that you, Odex Private Limited, have been authorized by the Anti-Video Piracy Association of Singapore as the relevant rights owners to, etc., etc., to take such actions as may be necessary. I admit that I have in the past willfully infringed the copyrights by downloading copies of infringing video files and at the same time uploading and or allowing other Internet users to download. I deeply regret my acts of infringement. I sincerely and unreservedly apologize to you for my acts and for the significant damage that I have by those acts caused to you and or the relevant rights owners and to your and or the relevant rights owners intellectual property in consideration of you not commencing civil and or criminal proceedings against me in respect of each of my past acts of infringement of copyrights and all the stuff you agree to do. So basically, they're sending you a letter that's saying... You pay us this money right now, or we sue you. Isn't that extortion? Kinda. Well, One thing you have to know about Odex. Their releases are shit. People would rather import Region 1 DVDs than buy the Odex stuff. The subtitles are garbage. The video quality is really terrible on these Odex releases. I mean, a lot of people are wondering, is it really legal to sign papers with agreements like, in the event of any breach of the terms of this contract, I agree that you are entitled to commence proceedings against me for all of the past acts of infringement. I expressly agree not to raise as a defense any limitation period. So they can say, for any time you've ever done this in the history of anything ever. And they're like, well, geez, is this legal? And they're just a distributor. I mean, they have their own dubs, like they made their own One Piece dub that is more bad than the four kids One Piece dub, if you thought that was somehow possible, which it is. They've got two years' worth of data accumulated as far as people downloading torrents that they could use on you, and they license a lot of shows they have no intentions of actually releasing just to sue people. 
if you go to the Wikipedia article for Odex, we'll link to it in the show notes, you can see the full list of things that they've got. And some people are wondering, is this their business model now to license Are shows? we sure that list is accurate? It's Wikipedia. Would Wikipedia lie? <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's only distribution rights for Singapore. And when they looked at, like, when they said the list of all the people with rights, some of those people weren't even people with the rights. They were, like, mm-hmm. stores. Like, yeah. Huh. If you were to you go know, to a dealer, but like, I, I understand why they do it that way from their perspective. In that, if you're doing heavy, heavy-duty downloading, probably the average guy who's doing that doesn't have a lot of money, and so they're assuming that they can frighten these guys into it. And none of these guys have got the money for a lawyer anyway. They're just trying to get what they can out of them. Did they? I, I forgot. Did they mention how much money they wanted? But yes, they want between twenty-five hundred to thirty-five hundred U.S. from each person. Okay. This is making international headlines. This story. Yeah. This whole tactic, and I know like RIA and other people have done something similar. Like it just seems really skeezy, and it's maximum extortion to me. This whole like we know you probably don't have a lot of money, so we're gonna send you all these threatening communications. We're going to tell you you should pay this money or bad things will happen to you. Hmm. And And furthermore, remember when we did our bonus episode about bootlegging and pirates and we said that the bootleggers will take fan subscripts or they will take Chinese scripts and translate them? Odex does that for their releases that they sell. Yeah. And so a lot of people are like, okay. You sure about that? Yes, I am sure about that. But, I mean... There is definite merit to like, okay, pirating stuff is bad, but if they're saying instead buy this really substandard product, because again, importing Region 1 DVDs is illegal as well. Right. So, I mean, there's some really good summary of the whole situations here. I'm going to throw up a tiny URL link. This is a blog post on CNET, the Asian version of CNET. I really wish, like, people would stop doing stuff like this, because the thing is, it's like, I like to support people who make cool stuff. And... I would like to give my money to musical artists and to animators and directors and people like that, but every time, like, all this copyright nonsense that it's become comes up, it really just makes me want to not buy anything ever again because I just want to not give any of these people money. Yeah, I I totally see you. So we got two tiny URLs here. First one, tinyurl.com slash... 2CBHSG. I'll put a link up in the show notes for that. That's for the Asia CNET summary of what's been going on. And then we got another one here from a, a WordPress blog, actually, about another practice. This is tinyurl.com slash 33D4TQ. If you had trouble hearing that, if I didn't enunciate it right, again, animeworldorder.com is going to have the show notes. This is about the MDA, this guy imported Haruhi Suzumiya, opens up the box, and he's like, where the hell's Haruhi? And there's a note in his package. He ordered it off of Amazon Japan. So this is like, imported the Region 2s. And they wrote, DVD with MDA for approval. So which means that Singapore is like so protective, it's like basically anything they import gets intercepted by customs and directed to their office. They can destroy whatever if you're importing DVDs into Singapore. Even though it's wow, the Region Singapore 2. It's the Region 2 DVD. Yeah, I mean, that's even worse because it is, you know, still like... Are you fucking over the Japanese by importing the Region 2 DVD? Okay, yeah, I know we have got listeners from Singapore. Like, Tell us about oh, the situation. I really hate, like, all of this region coding, importing nonsense, because it's like, somebody paid actual money 
for it, and they still and those R two DVDs still are get not treated cheap. like criminals. He probably paid like at least over a hundred dollars US probably for those DVDs. This one might not be viewable to the public. I think it is. It's a something awful form, and I believe they've made their forms publicly viewable. It kind of changes from time to time, but this one is where I got that scan of the letter from. And there's a lot of people who are really tracking this story, posting all the legal proceedings. Tinyurl.com/slash. 3D7OVX. And I hope Gerald is taking notes of these tiny URLs because I'm going to forget I gave these links out yep, <laughs> as I'm doing I've got this. them, don't worry. All right, so but this man, is a... Yeah, this is a big deal because this is the first time we've actually seen it happen. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we've always talked about how, oh, this is going to happen. We'll really have to see if it actually goes anywhere, though. Well, it's, it's, well the thing it's, is, this has gone somewhere. further than any of the others have ever gone. Right, so. right, right. Well, I'm just thinking of, like, if you look at the RIA and MPAA stuff going on here, how much has gone on there, but it still hasn't really affected it much of anything. Yeah, and if we've learned anything from how the RIA works, it doesn't do well to sue your customers. No. When you see your customers, that doesn't make them want to buy your stuff anymore. It just does what it's doing for me, and it just makes them angry, and it makes them even less likely to want to give you any money ever. And the thing is, I think that the anime studios in America understand this idea, because they have sent C&Ds to fan subbers, but as far as I can tell, they haven't done anything for downloaders. Right, because right. I guess they kind of figure that would be viewed very negatively. Very negatively. And the thing is that the audience for anime, as we all know, is very small. Right. As much as we want to say it's big, it's not. It's small. And if you start suing that small fan base, that's going to hurt you a lot really quickly. Although you so. know who I really want them to smack down with like an angry god? Is the assholes who sell fan subs. Yes, like people the people who like, went to SuperCon. fan subs off the internet... Burn them on to CDs or DVDs and then sell those to people. Very like, common on eBay. I mean, I thought, yes. you know, don't make it seem like, oh, this is just a sci fi con oh, thing. Oh, God. Or people who sell, like, doujin scanlations, like CDs oh. of just doujin scans or scanlations on eBay. Yeah. I hate those people. Yeah, that to me those is the shadiest thing see. is taking things that were yes. meant to be free, quote unquote, things done not for right. profit, so to speak. Just yes. for the sake of doing it, and then taking that and turning it around, trying to make a buck off of it. That to me is kind of like. Well, I mean, I'm totally know? admitting it in that I I scanned a doujinshi like a year or two ago. This is going back, and I saw that my scan ended up on a site that was a pay site. So I was really pissed off that they did that. Yeah. But, yeah, but that's yeah. just how it is. I mean, that's why when people say, "Oh, the fan subs that people claim to be doing for free aren't actually being done for free," it's still going to cause monetary damage. And yes, we understand that. All fan subbing is illegal, but we think there's scales of shitty behavior yeah. that yeah. people generally agree upon. But yeah, if you're fan subbing a show that is 20 years old and has got no chance of ever being released in English, disclaimer: never say never. Never say never, of course. Yeah, well, I mean, they say that, but then who knows? Like, you but know, then if you're, yeah, I if don't you're think selling... any Blackjack's been licensed since those OAVs and that movie. Is anybody really gonna release? The new Blackjack stuff? Well, the thing is, I'm saying that is it more likely that a recent TV series would be released or a 20-year-old old obscure TV series? As unlikely as it seems that Blackjack will get licensed, it seems marginally more unlikely that... That it will remain know, on our list. Urashimon or... Yeah. I know that at our Megacon, the comic book slash dealer's room that we have around here, there was this guy there, an utterly just shitty human being who was... There sent- every year. The thing is, this guy just took the American DVDs, copied them, and sold them for $20. Now, that is the and, most, like, okay. And yeah. he, he copied the covers, too. 
And, Sue that guy, too. Yeah, and the, well, the thing is, ADV sent a representative to Megacon. They didn't have a panel or anything. They just sent a guy there to shut this guy down. And, oh, that's right. I forgot yes. about that. Of course. That, that's good. Whether or not he just shouldn't... packed up and went to another show. Or... Well, that's the thing. Yeah. is that I think that they shouldn't just shut him down. I think they should sue him. That is the shittiest, shittiest behavior of all. Yeah. All so. right. So, yeah, other news other than the Odex thing, which, again, more shitty news. Is there good news? No, there never is. Uh, No, this is... Well, I was going to mention that, you know, Hataraki Man is being made into live-action show. Oh, nice. Uh. <laughs> I yeah, Hunter recommend which we need to review, which is an, what we saw was an awesome show. Yeah, and, yeah. And we need Grave of the Fireflies that. is being made into another live-action movie, which is really mm-hmm. weird, because I thought that it was animated originally, at least what I heard was that it was animated so that people watching it would not concentrate on the performance of the actors. There's apparently been one live-action movie, and this is another one. Aren't they also doing a live-action Higurashi? I think so. I think you're right. Wikipedia says so. They're doing Man. tons of live-action things, often of yeah. various quality. Usually various meaning bad. Well, some of them are okay. Yeah. I guess the live-action adaptations have been successful enough, fairly steadily, that... I am terrified to even watch the live-action Maison Ikoku. I've got uh, that. However, it does have yeah. Misaki Ito in it. No, no, not the old really... live-action Maison Ikoku with the musical number and the cats, and they're all totally out of sync. <laughs> no, oh. I mean the recent TV drama. Oh, I don't know about that. I really need to watch the new Death Note movies, but... I hear they uh, were bad. Well, people watched the shit out of those movies, if regardless of yeah, whether or not they're bad or not, so there's probably something to them. Since like Cutie Honey, the live-action movie as well. And speaking of live-action PT Chapman stuff, not feeling the love for the live-action Cutie Honey. Gerald hasn't Be- even actually watched the live-action Cutie Honey. I see, because so. I was... Okay, because that gets very uh, Anno-ish at the end, <laughs> as far as the uh, the craziness goes. And speaking of live-action stuff... This I saw on Anime News Network. It's funny because I actually was just reading an issue of Protoculture Addicts the other day and mentioned this very thing. So I don't know how accurate this is. And the only reason I'm mentioning it is because it's just going all over the place that the live-action Dragon Ball Z movie is set to shoot in Montreal. And I thought that this thing had been cancelled. I thought that it was I thought almost... that, that thing was an internet rumor. I almost thought, I thought it was that an internet rumor. They had rumor. said that all the promotional stuff that people had seen was, was fake, all fake. And that it all was yeah. just a giant internet rumor. Apparently, the budget for the film is at least a hundred million, and that it's being filmed in Montreal along with two other movies: a sequel to A Night in the Museum and Ronald Emmerich's uh, remake of Fantastic Voyage. Oh wow! Roland Emmerich is fucking over more movies, huh? Yeah. yeah. From the maker of the American Godzilla, and also (laughs) the day after tomorrow. Oh, Oh, God, awful movies. Roland Emmerich made, like, one good movie, maybe. Well, now that they're going to fuck up more of my childhood by making it sure to be terrible live-action Thundercats and a sure to be terrible live-action Voltron. And the live-action Astro... Not the live-action, but, like, that that Imagi Entertainment that's making the Astro Boy and Gotcha Man things, their track record isn't all that great. They did make the Ninja Turtles movie, that new one, but they also made the Highlander anime. And they also seem to be routinely thinking, we gotta change this to, you know, make it a little more accessible and mainstream. But hey, I got news for you. Astro Boy is accessible and mainstream. Yeah. By default. Yes, Doesn't really need much changing. Well, not really in America, but... Well, not really anywhere. I mean... The live-action gotcha. No, no, I mean mean Astro Boy, like, doesn't... Oh, right, right. It doesn't really do well in America, it seems. Right, because it gets changed a lot. Yeah. I don't have a whole lot of faith in a lot of the projects those guys are doing, but hey, we'll... But anyway, this is not about... uh, 
Oh, wait. Yeah, that kind of is, yeah. but oh well. Yeah, well, anyway, yeah, DBZ Stop movie. making I, shitty live-action adaptations of things. Yeah, I, I don't even know what the deal is with this movie, other than this is just a little bit on it, and who knows if it will actually go As through. we always say every single time these live-action rumors surface, we will believe that it's real when shooting actually starts. I still think that the only one that's actually going to be made is Battle Angel, so I don't know. Well, Speed Racer is real. Speed Racer is, you're right. Yeah, Speed Racer is actually yeah. filming now, I believe. So, but yeah. Yeah, Battle Angel, I think. Anyway, I guess with the very last thing, and this isn't really so much news as it is just kind of, I don't know. But it is absolutely official. And I actually didn't know that there were even other shows like this, but Saze-san is the last anime on television using cells. The very, very last. I actually Aww. didn't know that there were really many shows even like a couple of years ago that were using cells at all. What I shows were they so still? Either, but I, I bought some cells from Hajime no Ippo. Actually, yeah. there's another term for stuff that it's not quite cells. It's a weird word. Doga? Yeah, yeah. The, but that's dogas the are, sketches. That yeah, that's the sketches that they the scan cells. into the computer and then they yeah. uh, color them. Apparently, last anime to use cells, and the word is that... They cannot use cells anymore, largely because if they want things to look good in high definition, they need that digital thing. Oh, um, right, right. Well, the thing is, I don't know. I don't know if, if I buy into that because I don't, film. I don't buy into that either because, I mean, look at, I don't know, do you remember Love is like over 20 years old and that looks pretty damn good. Well, that's because it's film. I mean, if you were to say, what's the resolution of film, I would. I think people worked out the numbers, and it was something like 20 times that of 1080p is the theoretical resolution of film. Right. Or something crazy. But we're crazy. talking about TV. We're talking about TV cells, though. And so I don't know how much merit I can put on that. I think what is true is that if you do cell animation and blow it up into super high definition, a lot of the flaws right. are going to be more readily obvious, and it will require some sort of digital cleanup work, which yeah. might be expensive. And if you are crazy and stupid like the way they did it for Dragon Ball Z, it can turn oh, out God. really badly. I need to emphasize that I'm. this is not meant to be like a, oh, woe is anime or anything. This is just like, this is the very last show using cells. But That's... why is it the very last show using cells? Do they give a reason? They did give a reason. And the, for those of you who don't know, and I'm sure if you listen to the show you know already, but Saze-san is one of three anime that regular people in Japan watch. It has been around for, what, 30 years now. It is the longest-running animated show in the world. Sorry, Simpsons. Yes, Simpsons is nowhere near. It's Simpsons. This show has no. got 20 years over Simpsons. So this is a show that has regularly got a gigantic audience all the time. Completely yeah. unheard of in America. Nobody fan-subs it at all. Very Japanese show. Very, very... It's, it's kind of like, I don't know, the equivalent of trying to translate maybe Seinfeld because Seinfeld is a very American show with very sort of subtle humor, while I guess this show is... Yeah, Sazai-san is basically about a Japanese family living relatively ordinary Japanese family life. Yes. Yep. And the reason that the creator... Not the creator, the creator's dead. But the reason that the guy handling the show said that they use it is because the quote I've got here is, the subtle flickering of lines adds warmth to the image. It gives the viewers a sense of familiarity and security. When you're doing Sazai-san, I guess you can do whatever you fucking want to. Yeah. So, Who's going to cancel Sazai-san? Yeah. Every single time you ask a director, what is your take on the whole digital animation or cell animation? That is always the answer that they give. Digital animation, I don't have anything against it, but a lot of times it's too perfect. It's like it doesn't look like it was 
crafted by human hands because there's mm-hmm. no flaws or imperfections in it. I mean, yeah. granted, there are flaws to digital animation that we can all go on about. You can watch Gundam Musashi to see for yourself. <laughs> also, the digital panning that is the bane of our existence. Oh, I hate that oh, stuff so much. God. And granted, if you go back and you watch old episodes of G.I. Joe or Transformers, there are errors that happen in the animation that would never, ever happen yes. with today's modern yeah. production techniques. But... but- it is very much more organic. Like, this is something that human yes. hands touched and created and made. And whatever that factor is, it is very, very, very difficult to replicate that in the digital environment. I've never actually seen it replicated to the point where I couldn't tell. I think Studio uh, Ghibli does the best job at integrating the CG I to make it seem I like, agree. oh, wow, because... They are one of the few people still holding out and animating their films with cells right. primarily. No, Studio Ghibli switched over to digital. Princess Mononoke, for example. That film is largely a cell animated film. Yes, But it there is. are parts in which CG animation was used, and you wouldn't really be able to tell because the CG doesn't really stick out. And that, I think, this is a different conversation we're having now with regards to CG versus digital animation techniques. Right. But... It's the same general idea why people object to CG is because it looks too perfect. A lot of people I know, they yearn for the days the old Roy Harryhausen use a puppet or stop motion or whatever effects because at least it's a physical, tangible object, that sort of thing. And it's funny, we were was uh, just talking about this with Clarissa and I were talking about this. Yeah. Again, maybe we're talking a about Jim Henson studios. Yes, and, a different and uh, conversation, and like, but how those movies from the '80s hold up better than a lot of like computer animation. Right, movies. CG dates itself. It's very much like, the Yoda from Star Wars: Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi versus the Yoda right. in the prequels. Yes. Yeah, like if you if you look at movies like Labyrinth or Dark Crystal, I mean those movies I think still look really good. You don't have that sort of jarring like disconnect that you sometimes get, especially with older CG between yes. the real people and the creatures because the creatures are a physical object right there in the scene along with the person. I so. think another big part of it is stylization is worth a lot and this goes for movies, it goes for TV mm. shows, it goes yeah. for video games, it goes yeah. for whatever you want. If you make an art style that is a stylized version of reality, the imagery will stay timeless if you go back to it yes. 10, 20 years from now. If I go back to mm-hmm. Super Mario World, I still can dig Super Mario World. But yeah. once you go for the look that's trying to emulate reality, that will date itself within three or four years. I mean, yeah. the Superman animation from the 30s, that stuff still looks amazing. Oh, God, that stuff was animated on the ones, man. Yeah. I mean, there's more yeah. cells used in those, yeah, those Popeye, Alibaba, Fleischer animations yes. than entire yeah. movies. Yeah. I mean, that stuff is just stunning. But again, you would think, and Dave and Joel talk about this a lot on Fast Karate for the Gentleman, but they said digital animation, it's too easy to get something that looks acceptable. Yes. Mm. To get something that looks acceptable when hand-drawn animation is hard work and is not easy. But if you can get something that looks good enough, then they pretty much stop right there. And so a lot of times... The animation quality, it's like, okay, this is fine, but it's not really... There's something missing. I can't quite put my finger on what it is, and I yeah. think that's what we're talking about. I yeah, think it's, it's also just kind of sad. Like, I mean, I'm not a big cell collector. I only own, like, maybe, I don't know, six cells or something like that. Mm-hmm. But, like, now that it's in digital, all you can buy is the Doga. And it's nice to have the Doga. I mean, you still have a piece of production, and those sketches still can look really good. I don't know, it just doesn't have the same kind of 
impact or charm of having the sketch and then that painted cell. I believe that that is what was the... Uh, impetus kind of to the create that, Doga in the first place. Well, the impetus to stop cell animation, because uh, from what I understand, is that the Japanese government found out that they were making money on these cells and not... Mm. Paying tax or something? Not paying tax or something oh. like that. And then, so they said, well, you have to pay tax on these cells. Right, so they, they levied a tax on cell paper itself, yeah. and that kind of made cell animating oh. not feasible. And this Ouch. was about 1998 or 1997 or so. Yeah. And that was really what prompted the move to the digital animation techniques, because suddenly it was cost-prohibitive to animate stuff to actually purchase cells. I guess so are they going to do of... that with paper if they if they keep selling yoga? <laughs> I don't know. I guess they've just that's maybe gone... paper already has a tax. But mm. something that worries me about this, and again, I, I don't want to sound like Area Eighty Eight, even though I do read your blog, Area Eighty Eight. I, I download... also read the blog, and I also download the thing. So keep it up. Classicanimereviews.blogspot.com. That's the yes, blog. I, yeah. I read that religiously. So, but anyway, it's kind of like they're killing this art. There is an art to painting cells, and the thing is that there are things... You're going to talk about Robot Carnival, and the way that they animate Robot Carnival... Is like nothing you see anywhere today. They do not do that anywhere else, and it was lots of shitty, shitty, shitty hard work. It is a guy sitting for months at a table drawing shards of glass. And even though they should be able to do that easily today with digital animation, they don't. And I don't really know why it is. That it's to keep costs down. It's to yeah. say, all right, well, the animation runner Kuromi like hell. Of we've got to make these shows and we've got to get these things out on time. And yes, that scenario always existed. But with the digital cell animation, it basically meant rather than being able to take the same amount of time to make better quality work, it means, oh, we can get roughly similar quality work in a fraction of the time, so we'll just take on that much more work. We talk about this a lot anyway, but this is a good time to talk about it since, you know... Well, I guess it's hard, like, if you're paying your animators really shitty wages, love can only sustain someone for so long. Right, and then eventually you need food. The video game industry is discovering this, I think, that you can only take these people fresh out of college who really love video games and work them 90 hours a week and not pay them properly for so long before they say, hey, I want to have a family and I want to sleep and I want food. You I know? want to enjoy my 20s and 30s. Right. So. And so I can't really blame animators if they, you know, I don't know how much of it is animators, but. All I know is that animators make a pittance compared to video game people. Yeah. And video with game how, people don't make all that much. how shitty they get paid, I couldn't blame them if they don't want to put in the ridiculous amount of effort it would take them to draw those billion little shards of glass. Hmm. So. so, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, I guess uh, that should probably be it for the bad news this week. Yeah, yeah we didn't have any good news this week at all. Yeah, I think that's... we sound really crotchety and like we completely hate all digital animation. But that's, yeah, that's not, not true. true. It's, not really... it's, it's just that uh, you don't see things animated like that anymore and when people harp on you know 80s anime as you know looking it really is different you know it is different yeah some people like one better than the other but they really are different yeah i think that people need to learn to appreciate both yeah yeah rather than love one at the complete exclusion of the other it's trading one mistake for the next if you do that which is why even though i read area 88's blog he is still insane yes (laughs) (laughs) and with that note I have no more news, so let's get on with the rest of the show. And just as a reminder of what I said at the beginning of this podcast, there is no rest of the show in this file. 
wait a couple of days and we'll put up the rest of the show because this file has already gone on for nearly an hour and a half. So just check on back and it'll almost be like we're releasing a show on time, except not really because we've already got show number 60 recorded and done by the time I'm putting this one up. But yeah. All right. That's it. Soccer Girl INC, a science fiction fair, a home for polar bears who've lost their berry lairs out on their derrieres. It's hot, 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 the ball beneath our feet. Soccer Girl INC, like the earth used to be. Cool, crisp, and hip, and sweet. Clean and mean on the easy streets. Drop a shoulder, take it out on the chief. Engage the gas and pass around the pipe to your peers at last. Soccer Girl INC is where you should be. be. Soccer Girl Incorporated. Dot com.